Are expectations or agreements more powerful? I believe it's agreements. And that's because expectations are toxic. They ruin chances at a good relationship. They see everything as a problem, your job performance, the quality standards, etc. They're stressful, ridden with anxiety, reactive, fear-based, cowardly. On the contrary, agreements are co-authored, creative, courageous, motivating. They look for win-win scenarios. They're generous, momentous, and culture-building. In short, agreements are about an idea called enrollment. This means that people choose to follow. They opt in. They engage. Today, my guest, Fran McGreevy, he figured it out. And when he did, he told his staff, I'm done checking on you. Imagine that, the leader of a building saying, I'm done checking on you. And that's where we start with today's conversation. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, which increases student active engagement and participation and reduces classroom management issues. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. It's basically like a Fitbit for teachers, helping them be mindful of teacher talk versus student talk. Get a special 20% discount for your school or district by visiting TeachFX.com forward slash BLBS. Have you ever wondered what kind of leader makes a good mastermind member? Well, recently I asked the leaders I serve, and here's what they said about their peers. Eileen, a deputy head in Qingzhou, China, said, Mastermind members are supportive, wise, and not afraid to kick your butt. Chris, a vice principal in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada, Courageous risk takers and learners are how I describe my mastermind peers. And finally, Melody, a principal in Kentucky, said, Mastermind members are generous, driven, and never satisfied with the status quo. If that sounds like you or peers that you'd like to surround yourself with, apply to the mastermind today at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash mastermind. All right, Ruckus Maker, I'm here with somebody I admire so much. And in fact, uh, Fran McGreevy was my guest Way back, episode 69, November 30th, 2016. And here we are again uh, to just pick his brain. He's, he's a wealth of wisdom and he has incredible stories and just can't wait to bring you this show. Fran has over 45 years of experience in education. He has served as a high school teacher and building administrator for 30 years and as a middle school principal for 13 years. He is currently president of Root Ed Leadership and Learning. Fran has led numerous staff development classes at the building, district, and college levels. He has received several awards and recognitions for his service as delineated in the attached curriculum vitae, which I'll have in the show notes for you. And he is passionate about the value of the person and how that plays out in organizations and schools. Fran, welcome back to the show. Danny, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. So there was a time when you pulled back on control as a principal, 
And you literally told your staff, I'm, I'm done checking on you. I'm done. Fran, can you tell us what caused that shift? Well, what caused that shift? Well, first of all, I had seen some of the negative effects that control can have on people. You know, being an educator, I felt it myself as a teacher from administration above me. And as an assistant principal and a principal, I had been a perpetrator of control and, and certainly had used it at times myself, you know. And um, I was doing a lot of reading and research. And this one guy, Edwin D.C. for the University of Rochester, he talks about what the basic needs of every human being. And one of those basic needs is the need for autonomy, you know, a, a need to make decisions that flow from who you are as a person. And I also, you know, do some presenting on burnout. And, and one of the biggest causes of burnout is control. You sort of steal the life out of people when you control them. And, and then they're, they're less genuine, they're less authentic, they're less real. It comes out of a respect for people that they really have amazing stuff within them. Teachers and administrators do. And often our own control tends to stifle that and, and just take the heart out of them. You know, I remember when I decided that I was no longer going to take attendance at faculty meetings. Now, I had been an assistant principal in a big high school of 1,400 kids, and, and the principal had me at the door checking in each person as they came in and I had to mark it down. They'd give me these like snarl at me a little bit, you know, that I'm trying to control them. So as a principal myself, I came to the conclusion, I'm not, I'm not checking in, I'm not taking attendance anymore. I, you know, at the next faculty meeting, I announced it. You know, I said, listen, I'm going to do my best to have a wonderful faculty meeting. There's going to be fresh bread here every time you come. It's exciting. We got refreshments and we got good stuff to deal with, you know, but I'm done checking on you. You know, I hope you'll be here. It's going to be worthwhile. And and doing that, I just felt a new lightness among the staff. Like they were coming to the meeting because they chose to be there and they look forward to being there. And I was, uh, it was empowering for them. And we, we had 99% attendance from there on in. It was just, it never became an issue, you know? So I thought, well, if it works in that little area, I think it worked in a lot of other areas. When people are controlled to say, this is what you have to teach, when you're going to teach it, how you're going to teach it, all of that kind of control prevents their own goodness and, and vision and, and vitality they have within them. And it prevents that from you know, opening up and flowing when there is control. So, you know, control can, can have some negative effects. So that's a little bit of my own history. And, and then, of course, I, I saw teachers taking a lot more risks, trying new things. You know, stepping out, you know, that freedom, I don't know, it helps to bring out the very best in people. Well, what I'm hearing, you know, that's the difference between enrollment, right? That I choose to follow you, that I want to be a part of this and compliance, that I have to be here because I'm afraid if I'm not, that I'm going to lose my job or get a poor evaluation or whatever. And those perspectives in leadership uh, well, really, I would suggest that one is leadership, one is management, right? One, I'm forcing you to do it, and one, I'm inviting you to do it. And what kind of culture, what kind of organization are you trying to create? So I want to go back to something you said. Um, you talked about the amazing stuff that people have in them. And so that was another question you, you asked your faculty. What is stirring in you? <laughs> so why was that question? What is stirring in you? Why was that important to ask? And what did it lead to? 
Well, what is stirring in you? I, you know, that question is grounded in a profound belief that people have amazing stuff in them. They really do. And, um, and often because of all the external noise and the control and all kinds of things going on in school, they never really have that opportunity to look within themselves, find out what. And for me, you know, I think I gave quite a bit of attention to helping them, to building them up and saying, you know, you've got good stuff in there. And guess what? We need it. But you're going to need some courage. You're going to need to be vulnerable to do it. It's not easy to put yourself out there. You know, it is not easy. But it's the foundation of all connection and vitality and innovation and everything, you know, that freedom and, and that, that step to be vulnerable, you know, that idea that, you know, I reward you for raising your hand. Your answer was horrible. You were wrong, but you raised your hand and you put yourself out there. That was gold. You know, that was gold. So, um, you know, and I began, as I began to look at people a little bit more and, and value them, I could see man, look at that teacher. Look what she has, you know, look at the way she works with those students, the, you know, just the um, culture that's in that classroom. It is like amazing. So you should market that. Hey, there are after-school classes in our district. We were in a gigantic district. You ought to buy and teach a class on, on culture in the classroom, you know, like begin to call for, to recognize that and call it out from them, you know, not I'm doing everything they're doing, you know? And so, um, you know, I used to tell them, Hey, you know, maybe you ought to, when you teach class today, jump on top, up on top of the desk, will you? Like let it out. I mean, I give you permission. I'm calling out of you. And then they're going to give their student permission, you know, call it out of them. And it gets a snowball effect. It, it, it begins to build a culture in a place, you know? And, um, then school gets exciting. You know, it's a place you want to be, you know? Oh my gosh, I could go on forever about that topic, but that recognition of what is within people. The Rose say most men live lives of quiet desperation and they go to the grave with their song still in them. Like they never, what was in there never came out. Like, oh, that is just sad. You know, that is sad. And we do have a limited amount of time. I mean, time passes, you know, and opportunities pass. And there's a lot of opportunity before us yet, but there's going to be time when it's over and you, and you have regret, then, you know? And regret is, is, is tough to deal with, but we got time before us yet. So let's move, you know, let's get after it. Yeah, it makes me, well, back to, you know, the type of culture organization you're kind of uh, wanting to create. But also uh, now that we're talking about the finite amount of time we have and regret, the opposite side is all the opportunity you have right now. And what is most important to you? What is the ripple effect that you want to start, right? By throwing that pebble into the water and season the opportunity. And it, it comes to just what's within your control, you know, because you could get so bogged down to like all these things that are frustrating and the, the ills of the world and society and just throw up your hands and say, I've had it. Right. Or you could say that may be true, but right here, right now, I have the opportunity to do something special and I'm going to give it my best. And uh, I think that's part of the message you put out there. That's something that you inspire me all the time. And uh, so I, I know the ruckus maker that's listening to this podcast is getting fired up because you said school can be an exciting place, right? We don't hear that enough. <laughs> there's, there's too many educators that go to school and the soul's been sucked out of them, right? But school can be an exciting place. 
So let's change gears a little bit because uh, it's building on the topic of calling forth the greatness in others. But then you took it from just your local school to district-wide, right? And you were inspiring and, and empowering educators across the district. Tell us that story. Yeah. You know, well, one thing that happened is my teachers, I remember the teachers, uh, you know, I'm trying to call forth the best in them and give them opportunity, have them take risks, which they, apart from me, many of them were doing anyways, you know, of course. So they used to sort of challenge me too. Well, Rand, step out. Come on. You want to do this or that, you know? And, uh, you know, like, for example, one of them said, well, let's make a video. We want to make a video, you know, of you and, and Pete, who is my assistant principal, who's now the principal. Great guy, Pete. And I was a little nervous because I'm not like a thespian or, you know, very comfortable in front of the camera. So, but they sort of pushed it a little bit and ended up making some videos and they went viral and they were on the local news stations and stuff, you know, and out, out on, on YouTube. And they were sort of pushing me, you know, a little bit. And one of the thoughts I had is I wanted to provide some professional development in our district, you know, and um, with my, my partner, Pete, I went to the assistant superintendent and they said, well, no principal has ever really done that before, assistant. And so we decided that, you know, we wanted to try to do it. So we had to get all our goals and objectives together. And it's an after-school class that went from like four o'clock to six o'clock. So we got our goals and objectives together and we were ready to, to um, you know, take that step and provide this you know, professional development. We didn't know if anyone could come. It was all voluntary. And just about a week before we had to hand everything in, you know, I was in the union and um, we had some difficulty in the district that I was very much, uh, as, a, as a vice president of the union, was very much involved in. And it was, it was difficult, you know, I was on the local news and everything else. And, uh, and I thought to myself, I can't put this, I, I can't put this death on. It was just too much pressure, all this other stuff's going on, you know. So um, we decided not to do it. So then my, um, my one son, who's a life coach, he goes, he goes, hey, Pa, how's your uh, professional development class going? I said, well, we decided not to do it. He said, and I explained why. He goes, boy, did you get ripped off. I said, what do you mean? I didn't get ripped off. He goes, yes, you did. Here you are ready to do something really good and worthwhile, and something comes along and knocks you up. So I go back to Pete, and we talk about when we say, hey, you know what? We got to do this. We'll do it in January for the second semester. And then we got it together and he can't believe a week before another major trauma happened. And uh, we were, been, oh, we got to pull out again. And then we said, no, this time we're not going to pull out. We are going to go for it. So we got the class together and we had 50 teachers come, which I think was the most that had ever come to a class, you know, that year or maybe ever. And, and it really was well received. And then the following fall, we... We did it twice and we got up to over hundred teachers coming for the two hour class, you know, and that's where I began to get the idea that um, I would really like to be able to inspire educators to be the very best they can through these professional development classes that I had on the value of a person and burnout and all, all different topics, you know. And so um, then Pete and I started Root Education. We applied to New York State, went through this long process of, of being CTLE approved and we got we got approved by New York State. So now any teachers can attend any conferences or, or you know, any professional development we provide. And it counts as the hours, so many hours that they have to accumulate um, for the certification. So, and then uh, we started having some, holding some conferences outside of school, you know, and then I, I retired and Pete took over as principal. And we've had, you know, several conferences that we've uh, provided and 
I do a lot of trainings at other schools in the district, or probably not, in, some in the district and around Western New York, and actually over Rochester Way. So I do a lot of professional development for faculties and for administrators. And then I've sort of, you know, things continue to grow. You know, you start putting stuff out there and then it grows. And then now I've sort of entered in more into the coaching world, you know, where, where you, I can coach uh, administrators, principals, and assistant principals. And so things are sort of growing and I'm learning, you know. I feel like, oh my gosh, I wish I knew everything I know now way back when, you know. But things are growing and I'm learning, you know. And I'm, I'm 67 years old and I figure... Man, I have so much yet to learn, but my best years are in front of me still, you know? So I'm looking forward to what's going on next, you know? And I'm looking forward to continuing that conversation. I want to hear some of those things that you wish you knew, but we're going to take just a moment here to pause and get a message in from our sponsor. And when we come back with Fran, we're going to hear what are those lessons he wished he knew at 20 that he now knows. Better Leaders, Better Schools is proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher with the students, helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. Learn more and improve your students' executive functioning and non-cognitive skills at OrganizedBinder.com. One of the top concerns of educators during COVID is how to boost student engagement in remote and in-person classrooms. TeachFX is combining virtual professional learning with its job-embedded voice technology to give teachers instructional strategies and actionable feedback that increase student engagement online and in-person. To learn more and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash B-L-B-S. All right. We are back with Fran McGreevy, president of Root Ed Leadership and Learning. And Fran just mentioned he's 67 and he's, he's learned a lot. There's more to learn. He feels like he has the best years in front of him. But there are some lessons that he wish he knew at 20. And I, I think this is just a really great opportunity to, to learn from your life experience. Uh, I think this is going to be my favorite part of the podcast. So what are some of those lessons that you wish you knew back then? Well, oh my gosh, there's so much. I, I, I'm thinking a little bit about listening right now, about being a really a better listener. And not just hearing the words that come out of people's mouth, but where their heart's at, the feeling that's behind it. We have this little quote that my children, we pass around from this movie we saw years ago, but it's basically this, how much you miss, how much you miss. And I, I see that in my life, that was true, you know, and usually what I missed was great opportunities and amazing stuff that was in people. It maybe in my busyness or maybe because I was too self-focused, I really didn't see, you know, I had one. Well, I'll just tell one quick story as an example of that there was a teacher who was uh, getting ready to retire and, you know, he was a good guy, but a quiet, you know, he had his struggles as a teacher. And uh, as part of retiring every year, we had a big assembly and whoever was retiring, that teacher would get up and give a short little talk. 
And I thought, I don't know if this teacher can do that. I've never seen him up before a crowd before. And, and so the teacher came and saw me and said, well, Fran, I'm retiring. I'll be able to get up there and talk. And I, I said, well, yeah, sure. You know? And so, but I was a little nervous about it. You know, I just I didn't know if he would garner the respect from the audience and all the, I mean, there was all the students, eight, eight, seven, 800 students and all the teachers and everybody's packed in for this big assembly, you know? And so he got a few ideas together. He goes, I'm ready. I'm ready. I said, okay. You know, so he came in and it's just a two minute talk and he got up in the microphone and, um, few chuckles when he got up there, but then he began to tell his story about how he came over here from another country and how he had to learn the language and there were no ESL classes at the time and how he then fought in the war during the service to defend his country. We loved, he fought in the war. He just began to tell this story about how grateful he was for this amazing educational system he was able to be a part of as a student and then as a teacher. And then I began to find out he had done all these amazing things as an architect on the side. I never even knew it. He had designed layouts for like a, you know, TJ Maxx. He'd traveled to another state and worked for um, the state government, you know, checking on the structure of all their bridges. All this stuff came out. And, and I have to tell you, you know, there were a few tears. There were a few tears when he was giving this talk, you know, and you could hear a pin drop. It was just such an amazing, you know, an amazing assembly, you know? And for the rest of the year, he just was walking on a cloud, you know? I, I walked by his class, all the students are up around his desk asking him about stuff he did. It just began, you know, to rise up. And, and I had known this teacher for several years, you know? And I was angry with myself. He said, this teacher's right down the hall and you never knew that? You missed that? You missed all that teacher had to give? I'm talented and gifted and everything. And then I thought, gee, I wonder if I'm missing it in other people, you know, for whatever reason, you know, busyness, bad attitudes, I and mean, there could, could be a lot of reasons. But the human person is amazingly gifted, you know, amazingly gifted. And sometimes we have our preconceived notions of how that works and who has it and who doesn't. But man, even a teacher who's struggling, if you can listen to them and, and, help them recognize and you recognize what they have within them, what their students desperately need, you know? We, we need what you got. The world needs what you got, you know? So that was a, a big lesson I learned, you know? There's a lot more going on, you know, in people and in life than we realize. And so I think being a listener is just so, so important. So that was one big lesson. Definitely. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prod you on another because I, uh, I know some of your lessons. I've taken notes. When you speak, I listen. Okay. Uh, one, of those, one of those other ideas that I know you're thinking about a lot too is the idea of aha experiences. So can you tell us a, a little bit about that? Yeah, that fascinates me. You know, it fascinates me. In my life as a teacher and a student, which I'm sure you have, Daniel, and anyone in the educational system, Every once in a while, there would be, I, there'd be an aha experience. Like, let's say I have a class, okay? And the topic, we are just hitting home in this topic. And the kids are on the edge of their seat, you know? And it's just so rich and alive. And, and you don't want the time to end. And the bell rings, you know, I've got to go, right? And so I'm thinking, how does that happen? You know? I mean, a lot of times things are boring and empty and uh, not a lot going on, you know? But every once in a while, you're struck by something. 
and it just like seems to your your heart wells up within you, you know. And often then I'm grabbing a pen or a pencil and writing down what's going on, you know. So I want to understand what can we do to promote those or help those kind of aha experiences, eureka moments, whatever you want to call them, to happen. Like, what are the conditions under which they happen? So I've read a little bit of the research on it, and I really, I'm just I'm beginning to understand it. But this one research just says, the aha experience, it's when time seems to slow way down, okay? And then the time in front of you becomes very slow, and then that piece of time expands. It expands, and it's like it, it, you're pre- it's present before you. And then you become much more present in this circumstance. Of course, as I said before, how much I miss, right? I, but maybe I wasn't present. But people aren't always very present, if you know what I mean. But in this kind of situation, they really are. So what are the conditions under which that occurs? How do we do that? And I, I think that one thing is who's ever speaking or presenting needs to have some sort of aha about what it is they are talking about, right? They, to have some understanding of how profound or how important or how fascinating this word or topic or phrase, whatever it is that they're presenting. So they need to have. And I think you can help people in those kinds of situations. You know, like you first got to believe that what you're talking about is so profoundly important. And like one thing I'll often do is I say, hey, you know what? We're going to have a little bit of time to be together. And I need all of you here. So if you could put your phone away, maybe turn it off. I mean, you know, if you got some important call, okay, I understand. But put your phone away. Let's take a few deep breaths, you know. And let's open our hearts and minds here to what's going on. Because I want to tell you, it is profoundly important. You know? You know, ideas are, are life-changing. You know, Thoughts can be life-changing. And the change usually is from the inside to the outside. You don't change people from the outside. Right? It is from the inside. So trying to set an atmosphere or culture for that to occur in, I think, is important. You know? But, you know, you've you got to be a little bit bold and you have to really believe what you're talking about now. Those are a few of my thoughts on the aha experience, you know. They say that time is a crazy thing. The aha experience, of course, affects how you perceive time because usually time passes and we can't seem to hang on to it. But in the midst of the aha, time slows way down and you feel like I, I could just be here in this moment, you know. So people might think I'm off in the clouds when I'm talking about this. but. Uh, you know, having that, that, that kind of realization is, is big. It's important. I mean, the meaning and wonder that there is in people and in life is just astounding. It is just astounding. To be aware of that, tap into that. Those are the right questions to ask. And I think uh, the ruckus maker that listens to the show, that's the type of stuff that they're interested in. Uh, what sets what we do here apart isn't necessarily about the the systems and although I care about productivity I'll talk about that too but it's these it's these bigger deeper questions that really inspire you know the ruckus maker listening couldn't see you but you really came alive telling that story too and so what what is it in everybody that makes them come alive 
you know, during those moments. And let's do more of that within our schools. So, Fran, you've been on the show before, uh, episode 69. So people can go back way back years ago to hear how you built your dream school. And I do highly encourage uh, folks to follow up with you to uh, go to the website. It'll be in the show notes, uh, Root Ed Leadership and Learning, and, and check out Fran, connect with him. Uh, but I want to close out this episode a bit differently. I want to close just with a story. So tell us that, you know, I've heard the dad story at this point, you know, three, four times. And I, I just, I love hearing it. And this is going to really be a gift for uh, the ruckus maker listening. So I want to end with that. Will we, can you tell your dad's story, please? Sure. You know, very quickly, um, my dad was a great dad. I love him. I miss him now that he's, he's left this world. But um, he had a pretty rough life when he was um, four years old. His dad died when he was nine years old, nine, I think, or 10. Maybe his mom died. And him and, his, and most of his brothers and sisters went off to an orphanage where he was there till he was 13. He left the orphanage. He lived it. He was 13, 14, lived with his sister who was 16, 17. He quit high school. He was, you know, a little bit of a fighter and drinker and that from an old Irish Catholic neighborhood. And so um, just to move along quickly here, he joined the service during World War II and he was stationed in North Africa where he he was an airplane mechanic. And he went to a USO dance at, in which they pulled his name out of a big barrel and he won a free trip home for Christmas. And he was excited to go home for Christmas so he's at the little airport and the officer said, listen, McGreevy, you're a special case. So we're going to have to fit you on a plane when there's room. Okay? So he's, he's waiting all day. There's no room in the planes. He's got a little bit of a temper, stamp it around, you know. And um, finally, they get a plane in which it was an 18-passenger plane. He told me it had a magnesium engine, like lightweight metal. He had told me about that. And so he got on the plane. The plane started up. And the officer... Superior came out on the plane and said, McGreevy, get off the plane. I got another officer who's got to get on the more important. Well, he's, he has to get off the plane. He's upset. Anyways, the plane goes down the runway and it exploded and everyone on it was killed. So that like profoundly affected him. He thought, my gosh, I'm alive, you know? Maybe there's a reason I'm alive. What am I going to do with my life, you know? And so he came back after the war. He went back to high school. I don't know he was 20 some years old sat in classes with the high school kids finished high school met my mom got married went to college graduated college with four kids you know did really well for himself you know he uh got a you know pretty high level job with, with general motors and really had a great life you know really great life he was filled with enthusiasm for life and he deeply affected me and you know all my all of his nine, eight children. And so, you know, he died in 1992. So last summer, or two summers ago, we had a, a big party for my mom. So my mom's still alive. It's her 95th birthday party. So she, we have her sitting at the old homestead in the front porch. And 29 of her great-grandchildren are crowded all around. We got the cameras out. We're taking pictures of the camera. And I'm standing there with three of my brothers. And so my one brother says, Hey, friend, what if dad would have been on that plane? What if he hadn't gotten off the plane? And I had a little aha experience right there with my brother. He goes, yeah, like none of those 29 great-grandchildren would be there. Oh, wait a minute. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be here either, you know? 
And then we thought of the effect that my dad's life had from being an orphan, you know, and a wild hellion as a teenager to be going on to college, which, you know, then wasn't always that common, you know, and all the effect he had on all of us and the success of my brothers and sisters, so much we attributed to him, you know, and it made us think, well, what about all of us? You know, and we are here, you know, and most people have had near death experiences they don't even know about, but they have life. And so what are you going to do with the time that you've been given? And what would this world be like if you weren't, but you are in it? You know? So let's get after it. Let's, let's make the most of, of the time we have. So that was very inspiring for me. The time does pass, you know, it really does. So appreciate the life you have, you know, appreciate it. It's a gift, you know, it, and this day will be gone and, and you'll never be able to get it back, you know. So you got stuff in your heart that's stirring, make sure you go after it, you know. You're meant to make a difference in this world. A lot of people who want to meet you and what you got need what you have. Make the most of your life, I guess, huh? Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.